here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. to the Brit Rest Roundtable. Uh, we haven't recorded for a couple of weeks and loads of shows have happened. Um, with me is Ollie Kors. Hello. Um, we're going to be talking about uh, the WXW slash Progress Chapter 43 weekend, which seems like an eternity ago. I, it, was, it was about two weeks, but it seems like longer. And also uh, the weekend mm. after was ICW Square Go, so we're going to talk about that as well. Um, we're going to try and cover ICW better this year than we did last year when we kind of forgot about it. <laughs> <laughs> it's easily done. I mean, uh, yeah. but I, I think there's there's more positives coming out of this show than there was out of Fear and Loathing. So, yeah. But uh, we're going to start with WXW because uh, it was their first show in, in the UK and it was quite exciting. So um, we, we're going to go through that. Uh, I was there. Um, Ollie, you weren't. I, I was not unless you this weekend. Unless yeah. you were hiding somewhere and I couldn't see. You. <laughs> I, don't, I don't hide at wrestling shows. No, no. Um, I'm a little bit short, so maybe <laughs> maybe people could just overlook me. Well, we, we did, <laughs> but yeah, I was not here on this occasion. We did have to do height ordering again in the crowd. Because yeah. um, <laughs> I was standing off to the side, and uh, uh, Dan the Dazzler was stood right behind me, and he's like, "Big lads at the back." <laughs> Yeah, I, me and Dan the Dazzler are about the same height, so we yeah. get a priority <laughs> priority viewing. Yeah, I had to move moving forwards. Um, how did it come across on uh, on VOD? So I watched it also uh, on VOD, but like I was still remembering what it was like being there. Yeah, came across really well. Um, Alan Coonahan, obviously we know and love Alan Forel, um, and Jeremy Graves, I believe, it was. Um, doing the commentary. Um, yeah, they're a really good team. I enjoy them every time. Uh, the hard camera had a bit of was a bit wobbly throughout the night. It kept <laughs> slightly like leaning to the side, and then someone having to rewrite it every time. But uh, other than that, yeah, WXW's production quality is probably the best in Europe. So um, yeah, no real complaints there. It was a great venue as well. It's the the dome in, in Tufnell Park. Um, oh, it was an all standing show, so everyone was just kind of. Just kind of, I wouldn't say cramped in together, but there, there was, there was still room to move around. But um, 
I, I can see why the German shows uh, have such a high reputation for um, uh, for for a live experience mm-hmm. because that's certainly how it came across um, in London, and there were there were a lot of Germans there, so uh, it it kind of brought a a different atmosphere than you'd get, say, at um, at Progress or or Fight Club. It did feel like a WXW crowd, definitely. Yeah, there were a lot of the uh, the the lads who normally go to Progress were there as well, so the, it was kind of a mixture, but um, yeah, it kind of maintained that that German uh, atmosphere for for the most part. Uh, should we have a look through the uh, the card? Let's have a look through the card. Tag Team Championship uh, to start us off in the London Riots, the best <laughs> opening act tag team in the world, um, <laughs> going up against A4, Absolute Andy, and Marius Alani. Um, yeah, like you say, a good way to start off a German slash London infusion show, basically. Like, um, obviously, the WXW Tag Team Champions versus the team that defines London wrestling. Um, it was yeah, supposed <laughs> to be a really good start, uh, as always, to a show. It was supposed to be Mustache Mountain, of course. Um, they got hooked. Yeah. Um, because of Flow Slam. So, yeah, WXW have just gone hardline on that and said, yeah, we're just not going to book them anymore. Yeah, um, obviously, since they're bad, not but... in bed with WWE, they can't really rely on them at all. So, But yeah, this is a good replacement team to, to bring in, uh, having the riots yeah, in definitely. there. Uh, very good opening match. Uh, crowd was loud, had, had a lot of fun. Um, I, I don't think they've wrestled each other before, but uh, so there were some teething problems in there, but uh, the, the riots just have this... Uh, this knack of, of having like a really good, fun, strong match with uh, a lot of a lot of bashing people in the face and and a bit of comedy thrown <laughs> in every now and again. It's it's good stuff. It can work with basically any team, and they're doing really strong work at the moment. They're, they're sort of doing the best work of their career. So yeah, <laughs> no complaints about this match. Definitely a good way to get into the show. Yeah, and I'm aware that we've got a lot to talk about on the <laughs> on here, so we're, we're going to yeah. try and skip over the the lower card stuff where possible. Um, second match on the on the show was uh, Travis Banks against Jody Fleisch. Uh, this is another match that suffered from uh, WWE talent removal because Pete Dunne was supposed to be in this match, and he got hooked. Um, but Travis, great replacement. He has a, a, a he's another guy that has a knack of having these great undercard matches, but he does them in such a way that they don't overshadow main events. Mm-hmm. If you know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. And, and he let, he let Jody... Jody Fleisch again as well. Yeah, he let, <laughs> he let Jody do like all his, his stuff and it still felt like a, like a coherent storyline. I thought this is a really good match. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I had a feeling that these two would have very good... Um, chemistry together and they definitely did obviously travis banks student of the game like he can wrestle any style and like he definitely met up with jody's style very well here yeah jody flush i think has, has aged extremely well i, I don't know if it's reduced <laughs> his schedule but um of yeah. the, the three guys from the last um little comeback era if you, if you will of, of brit rest when it was him uh johnny storm Joe, uh, and doug williams um, I'm surprised it's Flash who's aged the best of those three because you'd think with his with his style that he wouldn't have done, but he really yeah, he's, has. <laughs> he's the guy who does the ridiculous shit, and he ends up um, best off in his forties. Who, who would have thought? 
Yeah, it's it's a ridiculous state of affairs. Um, he's, <laughs> he's still doing the, the stuff that he was doing at his peak, like uh, moonsaults to the floor, the the yeah. Phoenix Seven Twenties. Like he's he's doing all that stuff, and it still no, looks as crisp old. as it ever has. <laughs> I guess one wrinkle to this match we should say is that this wasn't a sixteen carat qualifier as it was going to be with um, Dunn involved. Presumably, Dunn would have won that match and moved into the sixteen carat. So yeah, that whole WWE thing has really changed up WXW's booking. Um, and like I say, no more Mustache Mountain or Pete Dunne um, in WXW anymore. Yeah. Um, they weren't big parts of the show, but they were fairly significant on the undercards. So yeah, definitely changing things up on the fly for WXW here. I think Tyler Bates a big loss for them because he was being utilised quite well on the um, the undercards. He was having some very mm. good matches for them. So, I mean, Pete and, and Trent had only really kind of started to, to be used by them, but I think Tyler's a big loss. As he would be to Adrian. You can see why they've gone hard lane. Obviously, ICW in progress, who we're going to talk about in a bit, have more free reign on those guys for reasons that you probably know already. Um, but yeah, it's probably going it alone. Yeah, once you've got in bed with, with Flow Slam, it's a case of. I think WWE are going to shut the door on you for, for doing that. We saw that with, mm. with IPW. UK as well, and it's affected the relationship with OTT to a degree because they had the one show on there. Um, yeah, but, uh, WXW obviously want to be independent and well, relatively independent, and uh, uh, fair play to them. They're, they're still putting on good shows. Uh, third match on this uh, card, uh, big Robert Dreisker against Bad Bones John Klinger. Uh, Dreisker has been out of action for a while. Um, I think this is his first singles match in uh, uh, almost a year. Mm. Is it almost a year? Might, might like even be over a year. First televised one, definitely. Um, and yeah, <laughs> it, it didn't seem too ring rusty though. Yeah, I'm not sure about. Um, you can never really tell until uh, someone gets like into a seriously uh, long-winded match whether whether there are actually any any issues there. And this yeah. wasn't a match where there were going to be any timing problems because they were just walloping each other with elbows and stuff. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it worked for what it was. Um, Klinger's good. Um, kind of surprised that Dreisker went over, but I, I guess um, they got to build him back up again. Oh, yeah, definitely. I don't think he's going to be taking any losses before the 16 carat. And in the 16 carat, I think he's probably one of the favourites to go far and maybe even win the whole thing. Um, because of it, like they were planning something big with him last year, and then obviously the injury stopped that. So I think they're going to go back to the well again and say, yeah, we're going to really push Dreisker strong. Um, he's up against Ilya Dragunov in that first round of the 16 carat, so that will further this story of... Cerberus versus like the impromptu team of Bad Bones and the newly face Ilya Dragunov. So I think that story has been interesting so far. Um, yeah. It'll be interesting to see where it goes. I, from here. I do think Dragunov has more uh, upscale uh, about him. I think he's got a, a a better shot at cracking into the main events than, than Dreisker. I think Dreisker works well for what he is. Um, yeah. I don't know. Um, I when you look at the, I mean the 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 match after this one. Uh, which was Volta against uh, Jörn Simmons. I thought both those guys did did better work, and they're the, um, they're kind of fighting for the same spot almost. They're like the defining big lad of, uh, of <laughs> WXW. And for me, while Volta and Simmons are just way ahead of Dreisker at the moment. 
Yeah, I'd probably agree. Obviously, Bolton is incredible, and we're going to talk more about him during the Progress show. And he kind of fell off our radar in the second half of last year. Um, but yeah, he's come back very strong early this excellent. year, and this was another strong performance from him. Not a great match by any means. I think Simmons is still getting there in the ring. He's certainly improved from just standing there doing nothing huh. um, during his title reign. And Babyface Simmons definitely has a lot of potential. He was fantastic in this weekend, um, but mainly for out-of-ring reasons rather than in-ring reasons. Um, I got really into this one, I, I've got to say. Um, it, the crowd just fell in love with Yearn. As soon as he walked out there, it was just like <laughs> the reaction uh, to him was incredible. And his, he has uh, the kind of charisma that you, you can't teach it. It's no. um, th there are so many things that you can teach people in wrestling, but you can't teach the the kind of presence that certain people have. And I keep saying it again, uh, about guys like uh, Katsuyori Shibata. It's like when they walk into the ring, you know you're watching somebody who's who's a star. Yeah. And Simmons has most of that. He's he's most of the way there. Um, for for a guy of his experience, that's uh, that's incredible work. He definitely learned a lot during his title reign. Uh, I think he went into that not the finished article at all and he came out of it having learned a hell of a lot more and now he's ready to use what he learned. So I think that title reign, even though it wasn't a good title reign, definitely helped his development. Like well, he's in, he's in ring improved immensely during that title reign. It's like yeah. when it started off, he was having these stall-tastic matches with uh, the one with Jeff Jarrett. was painful. <laughs> Let's never talk about that ever again. Uh... <laughs> But I think also he's like got more confident and like he he's always been very charismatic, but I feel like he's got more confident in projecting that charisma. And now obviously he's just crazy and if there's, if there's <laughs> doing one his thing, five minute air guitars. If there's one thing he's not lacking, it's confidence. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's um he's an interesting guy. Um it's it's incredible we've done like a complete complete one eighty on him in the last nine months. Like we would absolutely shitting on him um well, last summer we did the euro <laughs> draft and like nobody even thought about it. no no one went for you no one i think the euro redraft that we will definitely do this year because i want to do it again oh. <laughs> um Jan simmons is gonna be in the top half almost certainly because yeah like you say he projects himself like a star and you want that yeah he's he's gonna do good things um in the business, no doubt about that. He's, he, I think Volta at the moment is is probably the guy for in ring for uh, WXW. Yeah, um, like his performances, especially over the last couple of months, have, have been special, and it's very difficult to to find someone who who uh, works that way. Um, for for WXW to have one there already. Plus another one in, in Dita Junior that just exudes like smarm. Um, that they're already in a, a very good place, uh, and that's having lost all the talent that WWE have insisted don't work for them. So I think they are in a, a surprisingly good place, and they've put on a really good show here. Mm -hmm. I, I completely agree. Like WXW is definitely looking strong heading into 2017. Um, next match. Uh, yeah, Chris Brooks, um, the cock <laughs> against uh, <laughs> Damak. Uh, Brooks, 
is starting to get booked all over the place and yeah, it's about damn time. <laughs> he's really good and he's another guy who like loves wrestling and all all it's like he's a fan and unashamedly so. Like he's he's not 1970s the business. Oh. You got to love the business. No, he loves wrestling and that can only lead to good things, great matches and a big personality. And yeah, really good to see him regularly in WXW now, going forward and regularly in RevPro and all his usual spots as well. It's going to be exciting to see Chris Brooks a lot more. Well, yeah, one criticism of Brooks is that he's so big and he doesn't use that size, I don't feel like, effectively. Yeah. Um, in this match, Damac um, went to do one of his dives to the floor and Brooks bicycle kicked him from the floor while he was coming through the ropes <laughs> and kicked him back into the ring, that's using your size effectively. <laughs> that's the kind of thing I want to see from more from Brooks. Definitely. Well, he kind of wrestles more like a cruiserweight, but he is deceptively big. So yeah, he's I don't, maybe six he's four. Like, maybe even more. <laughs> he is that. really tall. <laughs> yeah, no, he's he was very effective here. Like I say, another good match. I don't think there was a bad match on this show. It was just. Top to bottom, solid. Um, Demac is somebody who I'm not really that into, but when he hits, when he gets into his uh, groove, he's really good. And I think it depends on whether he's he's wrestled with the person before, uh, how familiar he is with people. He seems to get better um, based on interactions with people. Um, so I think he's worked with Brooks already, and that showed here. I mean, I've always liked Mac, but I feel like um, like his character just hasn't changed in the past two years. Like you've got Volta, Dita Junior, Simmons, um, all these in- Dragonov, all these interesting guys. Yeah, they've all um, evolved, haven't they? And they've all evolved, and his Mac still doing the exact same shtick he was doing when I first started watching WXW. He's just uninteresting right now. He's not in the sixteen carat. No real momentum or story going on. Um, well, he's supposedly I, one I, of the I guys that's opposing, um, like the the management, uh, like uh, Christian Mikhail Yakov. Yeah, yeah. He, he's one of the guys who's supposed to be standing up to him. So it's kind of a surprise to me that he's not in sixteen carat because that would have made sense from a like a storyline perspective, especially if he'd worked with um, with Dieter at some. I, I, I assume he's going to have a match with Dieter again at some point. Yeah. I don't know, I just, I, I want something new out of him. I don't want him to turn heel, necessarily. Just get an edge to him, because he's a bit too smiley, baby-facey right now. Yeah. Um, a bit Apollo cruisy. I've, <laughs> I've never been keen on the whole Michael Jackson thing, but... No. Yeah. It, like, he was also in the CWC, and nothing really came of that. Like, he didn't get any yeah, more was, marketable from that. He was okay. That. <laughs> yeah. of the guys they yeah. used he was one of the ones that you looked at and thought well he didn't embarrass himself or anything but <laughs> I probably wouldn't have him back and they haven't um, the next match was the, the women's tag match which was um, Alpha Female and Ginny against Melanie Gray and Tony Storm they've got a really good storyline going on with uh, Alpha Female and Melanie Gray Um where they've they've had like all manner of shenanigans with the uh, 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 Melanie's uh, wedding being broken up, and uh, 
just a, a assaults upon uh, their, their person by the um, by the two heels, uh, Alpha Female and Marius van Beethoven. And I kind of thought that they they run out of stuff to do, but then they had that cage match where um, Alpha Female just destroyed Melanie Gray in that match, just, mm-hmm. just killed her, and just she was bleeding all over the place, and uh, and it it just kind of took it to another level, and now it's still going. Um, and they did some good stuff, uh, some good interaction in this as well. Um, I had a quick chat with with Alpha Female after the show. I just felt I had to, um, <laughs> and she's devastatingly nice, which um, is almost <laughs> upsetting because she's so vital. Like I uh, reminded her of the the match with Melanie Gray and how she punched her in the head until she was bleeding, and she started giggling. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, giggling. Just keep that in mind. This, this is this is a pretty heated feud, and you know there's going to be a big blow off at sixteen carat. Um, that's definitely something extra to that weekend to get excited about. Um, and yeah, it's sort of come out of the blue, but it has been really good. It sort of emerged from a comedy feud and turned into a bloodbath. Um, so yeah, that's pretty yeah, exciting. This is kind changed. of just a holdover match to get to sixteen carat, but yeah, that blow off is going to be something. Yeah, I do like the uh, the way they incorporated their storylines into this show. It wasn't just like, um, oh, let's go to London and put on like a. Oh yeah, a, a, well, they 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 made this a big deal. You know, there's two title matches, number one contendership. This is like their proper build up to sixteen carat. This isn't just some tour stop. Yeah, no, so that impressed me as well. Um, I thought this was a really good match. The, the women's tag, um, obviously Ginny's improved uh, leaps and bounds over the last year. Tony Storm's always been really good but she's getting even better and um the, there might have been some slight um miscommunication perhaps uh involving some of the the spots but the some of the brutality um i don't know if you saw um uh tony was just throwing alpha female around and the lung blow that she did on on Ginny was just oh mm. it's violent i remember it yeah <laughs> Uh, I'm trying to remember what the finish was now. Oh, oh yeah, um, it was Melanie Gray, but she beats uh, Ginny, not Alpha Female, which I thought was very yeah. important. But this is this so really have to good. beat Alpha Female at sixteen carat. <laughs> yeah, and that that'll be a huge blow off for that uh, for that storyline. Uh, possibly as a tag match, maybe. Yeah, uh, maybe. Um, main event on this show was. The WXW Unified Championship match pitting champion Axel Dieter Jr. against former champion Marty Skrull, who he beat after kind of... I, he wasn't cashing in, was it? He just kind of wrestled him after the main event of the last yeah, show. Yeah, because Christian Michael Jacobi is a bastard. <laughs> yeah, well, it's heel authority figures, that's what you get. Yeah. <laughs> um, this was a, a, an extremely good match. Like uh, I know I've been saying that all show long, but... Um, this was better than anything else on the show. Um, the character work from from Axel is just oh, it's it's astonishing to think that just a couple of months ago he was a babyface. Yeah, I mean we've been crying out for him to turn heel. Um, everyone wanted him heel at last year's uh, sixteen carat, which was the the basis for this match. Obviously, a heel Marty Skull versus babyface Peter Junior. Then. Oh. And it's being used in the opposite direction here. I really like that. 
Yeah, I'd, Marty got huge crowd support here. Um, mm-hmm. I like that he he doesn't necessarily change an awful lot because um, he he doesn't wrestle face or heel. And he said this on the uh, I went to the um, uh, working and rest hold uh, podcast in the afternoon uh, when Skull was the the main event speaker, yeah. and he said that he, he's never seen himself as a since becoming the villain. He's never seen himself as a heel or a face. He's just the villain. And yeah, whether you and that's like what that, it comes across as. yeah, whether you like that or not, it's down to you. Um, <laughs> and he doesn't expect to be uh, cheered or booed. He's just going to do what he wants and put together a, like a body of work. And uh, I think the reason why the crowd has changed uh, from from booing him to cheering him uh, is because all of his cheating has become more familiar. And I think yeah, you, you get that you get... signature spots like Ric Flair, yeah, and. Um, the only difference really that he he's done in terms of like his moveset is when he's uh, calling for the chicken wing, it's not just the one little spin anymore. He does like this massive build up where he's like yeah. running around the ring and tr- trying and to get that's the over as hell. <laughs> yeah. So that's the only major he, difference. He's, there. he's doing great work as a tweener right now, and um, I I I think he's he's sort of working a little bit by saying, "Oh, I'm not face or heel," because he was very definitively trying to be a heel last year in progress, changing his song and all that. Um, and now he's trying to be more of a face pretty much everywhere. Um, like, you can sort of see it. But yeah, I, I know what he means by that. Like, he's not overtly changing much, but it's just like slight tweaks to the system rather than like like evolutions rather than revolutions, I guess. Yeah. Well, I like the fact that... Um, I mean... This is an example. Uh, Lex Luger in WCW. He used to flip-flop between face and heel all the time. And when he did, he completely changed the way he worked. Like, when he worked as a face, yeah, uh, he was all do- uh, doing, like, node-selling, hulking-up kind of stuff. And when he was a heel, he was, like, a cowardly heel. Ah! Ooh! Yeah! Ah, yeah! Just, <laughs> you can't do that. You have to maintain the same personality but just change it so that you're you're something that you do yeah. is is bad as opposed to good and it's just it wasn't the same thing it was just he, he would be a completely different wrestler just because yeah he was a, he, a heel or a face um whereas marty is doing the same thing he's doing the same act but it's just received differently because of the way that he's doing it which um yeah, that's the way it should be. If if Marty can learn one thing from Lex Luger, it's how to sell. <laughs> <laughs> Not that Marty's girl can't sell, it's just that Lex Luger is the greatest of all time at selling with his comedy was. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry for the complete tangent, but anytime Lex Luger Lex Luger WCW is mentioned, I have to point that out. <laughs> I uh, I think Lex Luger's running in WCW is just one of the most all over the place runs in <laughs> in wrestling history. It's just all over the place. I could, you could never get a, a handle on on what he was doing there. It's just anyway. No, that's a complete tangent. Let's, uh, let's forget about that. <laughs> um, so yeah, back to the match. Really good match. Uh, extremely heated. Um, crowd quite drunk by this point. Um, yeah, seemed to get a lot yeah, louder. Um, Dita getting hell of a lot of heat. There's, the look on his face. Have you seen that? Like, the way he like he sneers at people. 
the way he looks down on people is mm-hmm. just incredible. He does have that whole um, uh, <laughs> 1940s German going on. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Wait, I'll give you an example of what it was like. Because uh, he got, um, I wouldn't say a rest hold, but he got a hold on, on Marty Skrull. And while he's got it on, he, he just stares at people in the crowd. Just stares right at them. And yeah, it's it's pretty tremendous. He stared right at me when he got this arm bar on or something, and he's looking right at me, and I'm like, please look away. Please, <laughs> please look away. And he just stared at me for about 15 seconds. Ringhamp have got it down. Good Lord, it was uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> it might have been because I called him a nonce, but... Yeah. That, that probably didn't help. <laughs> He probably doesn't know what it means. Um, yeah, so overall, I thought this was an excellent show from from WXW. I think it's one of the most enjoyable shows I've, I've sat through of theirs from from start to finish. I thought uh, not an awful lot of uh, down uh, points at all. And when I watched it back on the VOD, I thought the quality of the of the work was better because I was getting the chance to kind of analyze it from different angles, and uh, I thought it was excellent throughout. Uh, yeah, so this was a really strong show and great build for the 16 carat, I think. Um, I hype levels for 16 carat are definitely quite high right now. Um, it's only next month, I think. It's um, in March at some point. Yeah, uh, around about this time next March. And the lineup looks really good, and this show gives me confidence for the matches, the non-tournament matches surrounding it, like the title match, which will be Dita Jr. versus um, Ian Simmons, which... It, with their current alignments should be great and like lots of backstory for both guys to play off of um that's gonna be a really fun match uh that's going on night two i believe yeah main event of night two is always the big title match um do we have a lineup of um who's in 16 carries we do indeed and we have the matchups now um i think they were announced last week um, and they are as follows. Ilya Dragunov versus Robert Dreisker, as we mentioned earlier. Um, Makes sense. Continuing that Cerberus feud. Uh, ACH versus Mike Bailey. Uh, should be lots of flippy-doos and huh. crazy action. JT Dunn, um, newly added to replace Tyler Bate, versus Marius Alani in the character for the first time. He beat Absolute Andy, his tag team partner, to get in there. Yeah, Koji Kanemoto. Definitely. Uh, Koji Kanemoto versus Timothy Thatcher. <laughs> That'll <laughs> be an interesting be match. I think that could actually be quite good. I think Kanemoto is a much better opponent for Thatcher than uh, Sasa Kiel was last year. Yeah, um, Thatcher, when he's got the right opponent, is genuinely entertaining, I think. But, um, yeah, as long as they're not wrestling a Thatcher match, it's okay. <laughs> there's there's going to be a lot um, of very dickish uh, like refusing to sell going on, and I will oh, quite yeah. enjoy this, I think. I want some grumpiness. Oh, there's going to be grumpiness. I guarantee it with Koji. Uh, we have Cody R versus uh. the winner of the Road to 16 Carat League, um, who I'm not entirely sure who that's going to be or like any strong predictions for that. Um, <laughs> I don't think Cody's going to lose this one, though. No. Uh, judging, on, judging by his record. Um, Cody's as long as he doesn't. At some point, because he can't win the yeah. whole thing, that's just unacceptable. <laughs> He'll get counted out. <laughs> oh, I hope not. 
Uh, Cody R doesn't take pinfalls. Uh, we've got a, a pretty big match here. David Starr versus Volta. Um, and I could definitely see Starr beating Volta here and uh, just cementing himself as the shotgun champion a bit more. It's going to be a good match either way, I think. But Volta yeah. at the moment, he's kind of... I, I know I'm saying about um, uh, Riddle has kind of stepped into Hero's spot on the, on the indies, but I feel like in... Uh, WXW Volta has stepped into Hero's spot, mm. like he's making that spot his own. So um, yeah, should be interesting to see how he uh, how that plays out. Uh, probably the biggest upside of any match um, on the first round card is Donovan Dijak versus Matt Riddle. This could be crazy. Yeah, I'd I would guess Riddle goes through. Um, but Dijak's, uh, well, he's left Ring of Honor, hasn't he? So yeah. who knows what he's going to be doing. And then the weirdest match to round us off, Bad Bones versus Paul London. I <laughs> <laughs> yeah. don't really know what to expect from that. but I really don't know. But um, I, I would assume Klinger wins there. I'd, I'd be surprised if London went like deep into yeah, the tournament. I, I think Bad Bones is on a collision course with uh, Dreisker. See, you get those first round losers, they always have like a, like a flippy-do tag match. Yeah, yeah, somewhere else, and Paul London is ideal for that. So. <laughs> yeah, whoever you can loses... see London, JT, JT Dunn, and whoever loses ACH Bailey. Bailey yeah, yeah. definitely should be fun. Should be a fun week. Yeah, weekend. Love, love the flippy do tag match. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, really fired up for WXW this year. They've um, they're on a, a bit of a run at the moment. It's it's been good. Uh, storyline. I was talking to somebody earlier today and I said that I felt that Progress were the only company in the UK that were doing uh, run-on storylines, whereas everyone else was kind of just doing big matches and a little bit of storyline in the background. But WXW is another company that does good run-on storylines. Yeah, obviously they have the Shotgun Show, um, which is basically what Progress are now doing with Freedom's yeah. Road. Um, with all those like backstage segments, where uh, if like they have um, the English subtitles, but it's for a German audience, obviously, and you get most out of it if you can speak German. Um, so yeah, I, I, wa I watched a little bit of that, but never really gotten into it. But yeah, some of the backstage segments are pretty good, and like they're kind of WWE style. Yeah, and these guys are all right at it. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see where uh, progress go with uh, Freedom's Road as well, because I think that started off a lot better than people are giving it credit for. Yeah, I watched the second episode, or bits of it anyway, um, today. Um, <laughs> not a huge fan of it. It sort of feels like um, a BBC One drama at 7pm huh. or something. Um, Waterloo Road or something. Well, they're, they're trying um, to find their feet with it, but... Um... Yeah, I'll give it, give it time, definitely. Uh, well, that seems like a good enough way to kind of seg into uh, uh, progress, since we're talking about them. Definitely. Um, and they had Chapter 43 the same weekend that WXW were down in London, which uh, made for ooh, around a quarter of the crowd at uh, Tropic Thunder Bastard were hungover. Quite badly, <laughs> I might add. Um, so I, I thought we'd have a bit of a subdued atmosphere Um for chapter 43, but I was wrong. It was a, it was a great atmosphere, again. Um, how did you feel it came across on, on VOD? This is another one that I was at, but 
Yeah. You, um, well, for the first two matches, I would say not a lot of noise, especially for the women's match. Then once Yearn started gyrating, oh. I think the show started picking up, that and then uh, Volta killed it. <laughs> and everyone killed it in that South Pacific Power Trip versus Ring Camp, but especially Volta. And that from there on, everyone was going crazy for everything. Yeah, that's that's kind of how I felt uh, live as well. It just it felt really subdued to begin with, and that there had been a lot of lager involved. The, um, <laughs> the, there was a fair chunk of the of the crowd at, at uh, WXW went to um, uh, what was it called Camden Assembly. Uh, so that they were out until like two. Uh, yeah, yeah. Everyone that came up to me was hungover. I, I had my usual spot by the bar where where we usually stand, and like people kept coming up to me one after another when they went to the bar, and it was it was a, a cavalcade of of hangovers. <laughs> I, I'd be asking it was the like, most hungover. Oh, most hungover. I, I think it would have been Keir if Keir wasn't drunk. I asked him how he was, and he said, fucked. <laughs> uh, if you take care out of the running, I would say Henry Kerr. He looked awful. Uh, but then everyone had the uh, flu as well, or colds or whatever, because like, oh, um, yeah, there was something went round that weekend. Yeah. And, yeah. I mean, it is freezing right now in Britain, so, like, proper see-your-breath stuff, so... I, yeah. I can understand that. <laughs> yeah, everyone got ill that weekend. And the same thing happened in America when everyone went to the Rumble weekend. Everyone got sick there as well. So I, I, don't, know what, uh, I don't know what the deal it's is. All, it's all of these shaking hands and uh, Pressing kissing the flesh. babies. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's quite a lot of kissing goes on. It's very weird. Uh, well, especially in South Pacific Power Trip matches. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Staring at the camera in the process. Um, right. Let's get back onto the show. Um, uh, how did this start? Oh, yeah. Uh, they had something that was a little bit like um, uh, Freedom's Road because they started off backstage and they had Sebastian putting uh, William Eva on, on the ring crew. And I know you're not down on the, on the Sebastian story, but the story over the course of this night for Chapter 43, I thought was a really uh, good um, sort of self-contained part of it. Yeah, I enjoyed um, Eva burning a fucking laser beam into laser laser eye beam into the back of Sebastian's head when he made him wear the shirt. Um, yeah, Sebastian does nothing for me, uh, but I did enjoy Eva ripping off the shirt and then Sebastian running out immediately afterwards and uh, <laughs> egging it up. Um, you know that that was good impetus for Eva to finally hit him, but it's just you know. <laughs> the story's a nothing story and it's not going to lead to anything good in ring no, so but it, i would say this has been the best part of it like the court during the course of this uh chapter i thought they did their best work that that minute was very well booked <laughs> when sebastian came out after either um came out and ripped the ring shirt ring crew shirt off then entered and got destroyed and then got hit by Eva. That whole that minute was very good, and I understand why the crowd reacted to that because it was very well presented. But it was a bit like fast food wrestling, you know, like they used all the tricks to get the, that reaction in that moment, but people 
still don't really care, if you know what I mean. Yeah, but I thought this was the best that they'd done with it, um, even though it's we, we've had issues with it. Um, I like <laughs> when um, Sebastian at the start of the show, where he's putting uh, Eva on the ring crew, he blamed shit online reviews for his bad behaviour. <laughs> <laughs> and I know he's no. um, he's uh, posted like a quote out of one of mine on his feed. Yeah. So yeah. Mm, good old thin skin oh. <laughs> we podcasters eat that for breakfast uh yeah so that was the start of the show um but then they went into uh the opening match which was london riots again uh, against the kings of the north um obviously riots we, we've spoken about already uh how did you find the kings of the north um i didn't think they fit the london riot style very well you know to Big lad teams knocking bells out of each other was a good start. Um, not huge fans of them though, and I don't know if they really got over with me in this short stint. Yeah, I, what, what, I kind of got the, the feeling uh, from watching live that obviously the the glove was an easy target, so they got the a, a fair degree of crowd response for, from that. Um, the actual match I thought was okay, but if you look at Kings of the North. They they just haven't been outside of Ireland at all. This is pretty yeah. much the first booking they've had where that hasn't been for OTT or the other the, the other Irish promotion name of which I can't remember. That's in CCW. Might be I can't remember. Cork one. Uh, I think there's one in Northern Ireland. It's not important anyway. So they basically <laughs> uh, they've only been booked locally in Ireland. Um, and OTT had been the, the peak of what they've done up to this point. Um, so it did feel like they were slightly out of their depth, but I thought they did okay. Um, obviously, Riot's... I mean, I still really win. enjoyed the match, but I don't know how much of it was on Kings of the North or yeah. more on just the Riots being the Riots and being the best opening tag match team in the world. <laughs> yeah, so it, it was what it was. Uh, I'd like to see them get another chance against somebody else. Um, there, there are... I don't know if they're kind of sneakily building up a tag team division because we keep having teams come in and do like one or two shots and then they're not used. So like uh, New Nation, for example, or the Hunter Brothers. And it's it's very... I, 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 will, I was going to say, um, after the SPPT, South Pacific Power Trip, <laughs> South Pacific Power Trip versus Ring Camp um, tag match, but uh, progress, all their big matches, all their best matches over the last six months or so, have been tag team matches. Like, I could probably give you four or five tag team matches that were really good to great, and maybe only one or two singles matches of that level from progress. So I think tag team matches are definitely what they're doing really well at right now. They've built, as you say, they've sneakily built up a really good division. It's just a shame that the champions haven't defended their belts yeah, for ages. Yeah, a bit of an issue, isn't it? But then it's and like the the thing is, the storyline is so big that it's like you don't really want them to rush to the to the end of yeah. it. It's something that needs to be built up to. But when the uh, belts do change hands, whoever wins them is they have plenty of other options lined up to to face them. How long do you think uh, a power trip have been number one contenders to the tag title for? It feels like six months. Is it? Is it that long? It has been four months. Four, four months. months and six shows. 
I can't see them. Shows have gone by. <laughs> I can't see them doing that match though. I can't see them doing. Um... Yeah, that, that's the problem. They can't. Well, here they did heal, but we may as well talk. Are we going to talk about SBPT versus Ring Yeah, let's, now, let's go into that one. On the topic. Yeah, since it was the best match on the show. Um, that they can't really do heal versus heal in that scenario. Um, without kind of ruining the British Song style story by making them faces for a night. And, yeah, it's just, it's really weird that they made them number one contenders and haven't had them lose that number one contendership and yet still aren't giving them the match. They've won pretty much every match yeah. as well. They've had, like, yeah, they, I three think or they four haven't lost since they've won then. them all. Yeah. So they're keeping them strong, but it's, they don't want them to. Clearly, don't want to do the match <laughs> against uh, so British Strongstar. What's going on there? Like we, like this is a great division that they built in this tag tag division, and we've got so many teams. Even the Jobber teams are great, like uh, like the Kings of the North, like the New Nation, like the Shirtlifters. Um, like they they could be very strong parts of this division that they're building. It's just they they can't pull the trigger on any title switch or make the title meaningful. They've got all these great tag matches going on, but none of them are. You, for a title match. Well, we've got um, Super Strong Style 16 coming up. Can you see the tag belts switching at that show? Well, the night one main event seems to be the London Riots Forte. Um, they've they've gone two for two on the night one main event tags. I could see them beating British Strong Style there and ending that story there. Um, I, I can see Pete Dunn holding on to the, the title for a lot longer, but um, I just think you, you kind of need to give him a, a bit of a payoff on that storyline. Yeah. It being I just don't understand weekend. why the power trip have been number one contenders for so long <laughs> without something happening. Like, again, waiting for the other shoe to drop. Here. Unless they're planning on having two matches at Strong Style Weekend, having one... Uh, so the rights win on night one and then lose on night two to South Pacific Power Trip, which. But that is three months away. So <laughs> they'll have been number one contenders for seven months by that point. It's an impressive run. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they they were fantastic against Ring Camp, though. Uh, that, everyone in that yeah. match was so good. So, yeah, so it was good. A Even, tremendous. Uh, match. Dahlia Black as well. Like Everyone just delivered superb character work. Um, the technical stuff was great. Uh, Volta murdering people. Uh, he killed all three of them. <laughs> so good. Yeah, he <laughs> big booted Dali off, off the... Oh, the reaction that got. Oh, Jesus Christ. And yeah, um, like TK just getting walloped by Volta. Um, Banks going hold for hold with Dita Jr. And yeah, the, kind of the whole match was built around Volta and just trying to get him off his feet, trying to get him to show any vulnerability whatsoever. Like, he was booked like a monster here. And, and in they, the end, they gave the him had to hit him with a chair. They had, to, they, <laughs> they had to cheat to win, yeah. Yeah, such a great match. Um, I went four and a half on that. And I get the feeling. Yeah, I only went four, but. Uh, probably could have gone higher. Um, I thought it was better live. Um, I got the fear. <laughs> the, the great thing about watching it live is I was opposite Jim Smallman. Um, so yeah. every time like a big spot landed, I looked across at Jim and I can't do what he did, but it basically it was it was a collection of horrified looks, hands, hands up to the face, <laughs> arms up in the air. Uh, it was almost as entertaining to watch him as it was to watch the match. So every time Volta <laughs> killed somebody, I just looked straight across at Jim, and it was just like, oh, 
<laughs> so um, yeah, it's it's great to see um, somebody that involved in the promotion just marking out like that, just having a great time at the uh, at the wrestling. And this is all a, a, such a great match coming from a big risk to go heel versus heel. Like this is only Ring Camp's second match in progress, and they're all, like they already have to turn pseudo babyface. It was a risk going in, but it really paid off in the execution. Oh, it really did. It an excellent match. We we kind of skipped over a, a couple of matches to get to that one. Um, yeah, I mean, I think we were both wanting to talk about it. <laughs> um, to be honest, the two matches we skipped over weren't much of anything, though. Uh, you had the natural progression for uh, Laura DiMatteo against Chikara. Um, Chikara, obviously, very inexperienced. Um, her personality is a little quirky. Um, the, the some of the selling she did was really weird, but like it kind of worked. I I thought it worked, but not for her character. Like I feel like she's completely miscast. I get it; she's sort of like tall and imposing, but she should be like quirky. She should be babyface. She should be like yeah. um, happy-go-lucky, etc. Um, because her selling, her facial expressions. Absolutely mental. It's like she lives on another planet. <laughs> and that could be really endearing, but not for the current character that she's in. Yeah, I, I see her as a face long term, to be honest. That's uh, that's where she's going to be better. Um, Laura, uh, I think they kind of missed a trick by not having her on a show after Brixton, because she really hasn't been on anything for progress in, yeah, what, six months? Four, five the, months? How long it has been? A, this was a disappointing reintroduction for her. Like, she had the cornrows, and that's supposed to be, oh, wow, such a badass UFC fighter. Oh. But if you're going to do that, you got to go the whole hog. you got to get the gloves on. you got to get the mouth guard in. Like, you got to look the part, and instead it just looked like her, but with cornrows. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah, her style wasn't drastically no, different, like, but there were little bits in there. Stacey had a new hat. <laughs> <laughs> no, there was, uh, there was stuff in her act where she, she kind of changed it up a bit. Um, she's still very young. She's still very inexperienced, which yeah, I kind of forget cause she's been around in progress for like a year and a half. Um, I just worry they're gonna put her in the final here and go against Ginny, and I, they're yeah. not ready for that yet. No, I don't think so. That would, I think I can see her having a very good semi-final and getting beaten by someone, but I could do without not making the final at this point. Well, let's let, let's talk NPS briefly. Um, obviously, there's gonna be six semi-finalists if or oh, is it going to be the semi-final or is it going to be a quarter-final and then i i think it's going to be the semi-final yeah with six six women in it uh, is it going to be two triple threats or three singles and then a triple threat final i don't know it's one <laughs> they the haven't other. really said anything <laughs> i i would like them to at least plan this stuff out in advance um, i assume they but have but they just haven't told us yeah that's annoying um the last uh first round match is going to be martina versus Dahlia Black. That should be <laughs> an odd but fun <laughs> match. Well, Dahlia and, is very good character-wise, so I can I can see that yeah. playing into her character. So we're looking at a semi-final of um, Nixon Newell, Tony Storm, Al- Alex Windsor, uh, Laura DiMatteo, Dahlia Black, and Ginny. And from that, Tony and Nixon are obviously the best wrestlers there, mm. but they're also the least available. <laughs> so... I would probably say it's going to be Ginny versus Laura in the final, just because they know they can get them and they won't be in WWE already. Uh, well, Tony's probably not going to go into WWE at this point, but um, Nixon no, but is. not in Japan either, yeah. 
Uh, yeah, Nixon will be gone in April, um, is my understanding. So the finals are likely to be after that. Final could probably be a yeah. strong start weekend. Uh, so that's Nixon out of the running. Um, I can see the final being uh, Ginny and Tony Storm. I could see that. It depends uh, if Tony's available or not. Anyone other than Ginny winning? <laughs> <laughs> slim. Slim to none. I think we kind of mentally booked it as Ginny already. I can't see anyone else winning, to be honest. So that the money match seems to be to me that Ginny wins so that somebody can beat her down the line and that would be the big yeah. first title change. Yeah, so that's that booked and sorted. Uh, let's move on. <laughs> Um, yeah, um, the other match we skipped over there, uh, Roy Johnson, Ewan Simmons. This is all about Ewan Simmons' entrance. I'm so glad we got to see this. Uh, <laughs> it was incredible. Seeing, seeing it live, I completely understood. So I, I talked to Strigger about this um, at the, well, in the, the Dundee Arms before high stakes. And he's saying, you have to see the full entrance. You just, Ewan's full entrance is incredible. And he was saying something about how. Uh, as a baby face, he'd stormed to the ring and hadn't done any of the entrance, and it just popped the crowd huge. <laughs> I didn't, re- I didn't really understand that until seeing it live. What he actually does—the full like ten minutes entrance. Um, <laughs> so seeing that on the, on VOD as well, that gives people an idea of that's what it's like. <laughs> that's that's the UNC. Kind of makes experience. me want to go to WXW. <laughs> yeah, and see it for myself. I think I think oh. Yern will be back though in progress. Like they were sort of angling. Oh, is he going to get a so. shot now? Yeah, and that would be a crazy match in uh, OTT as well. So it's that the world is opening up to Yern Simmons. Riddle versus Yern charisma explosion. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So there wasn't really an awful lot for Roy in this match. Um, it, it was quick, really. That was it. Game over. Yeah. Move on. <laughs> uh, then, of course, we have the tag match that we've already talked about. Fucking great match. Really enjoyed it. Um, live, I, that really woke the crowd up. Set everything oh, up yeah. in the second half. It, it woke me up on the show as well. Like I went straight from that into the Thunderbars and I was like, yeah, here we go. I'm <laughs> hyped for the Thunderbars that even though I knew what was going to happen already. Like, it still got, everything still got me in it. And the character work and like the way the characters interacted with each other was almost great like almost perfect um i have a few issues though and we'll talk about that as okay we run down the match <laughs> um so i was trying to think how to run through this uh, yeah this is this a lot happened in this match so uh well we kind of um, started off with we had mark andrews and marty skill to start with and that was all baby face stuff uh skill very face um even the the backing away thing that he did. Uh, yeah. Uh, everything was fishing for crowd reactions. Number three uh, in the match was Trent Seven. Uh, after that, it was Jack Sexsmith. Jack got the biggest reaction of anybody. I'm not surprised. Like, they're giving him the big, well, not the big push, but a push, and the character is certainly working. Um, my only problem is, well, not my only problem. Um, Part of the problem is he's still doing the condom stuff and he got uh-huh. them on almost immediately in this match and had them on throughout. It was 
silly. Like it doesn't belong with his act anymore. I don't think. I think he's an old beyond finisher, that. Yeah, but yeah, it like he doesn't need the the pranks and the props anymore. Well, he said like, that in. Um, I know it's. They did an interview with him, which is I can't remember if it's on Demand Progress or whether it's on YouTube, but uh, they interviewed him and he talked about not needing the like the gimp and the uh, like the Pulp Fiction music anymore they he'd originally come out with like sex toys and he, he wanted to stand yeah. out but then he'd become a symbol of uh like the gay and lesbian community and that's what he was representing in the ring and he didn't want that to distract from from what he was and who he was and that i thought that was a really powerful statement for him to for him yeah to make. it was it was a really good promo and like i it would get just about anyone invested in his character it just it doesn't play right with him fl- running around a room with condoms on his hand. Like, he's having... that, is that representing the gay community? I don't really think so. I think he's just having trouble letting go of that because he knows that's yeah, part it's, it's of the over. Act that got him over. Uh, but then you listen to the reaction that he got just walking out there. People love him. Yeah, like he as a character is getting over. He's still I I I can understand that he needs time to tweak stuff and make sure everything is good. But I hope that the condoms get lost because they just don't fly right with this character they're trying to push now and it's a really interesting character and one we've never really seen before and then he's still doing the comedy stuff and he doesn't need it he's got the heart and the desire right oh. there and you can see it on yeah, his face yeah, and you absolutely. can see it in the way he moves around the ring and then he's just but he's doing it with condoms on his hand and it just it decreases the impact and that's annoying because oh. I know that it could be better <laughs> well he's He's going to be in strong style, so it'll be interesting to see yeah. what uh, techniques he, he uses uh, in that tournament. Because um, that's where and you have to step it up. I liked here that Sexsmith was interacting with the non-Projo guys, and that is one criticism I have of the the Projo guys and the way they're booked in progress is that sometimes they feel like they're in an alternate universe. And when Sebastian came out... Um, and everyone went to the bar. I appreciate oh. the joke. <laughs> it's, it's funny. I get it. But at the same time, it made, made Sebastian look like he's in his own universe and not interacting with Skull and Seven and Andrews and like they're on a well, higher plane of existence. They, to they him walked off because nobody likes story. him. <laughs> nobody likes him <laughs> at all. It was li- literally even Trent Seven just walked off. It's like, I'm yeah. like, I don't even, I don't want to know, mate. It was funny, but it worries me that like. Sebastian is so outside of the rest of the card, I guess. Like, he's in his own universe with the Projo guys and, and no one else. Wrestling-wise, he just isn't at that level, so... Yeah, <laughs> I know, but it's, it seems like he's in an alternate universe where everyone is a bit worse of a wrestler but has a big <laughs> personality. But the um, the thing is, it did actually set up the whole uh, Sexsmith pins him and they get the big pop from that. Uh, yeah. Then you had the angle with uh, Sebastian and Pastor William Eva, and that was all. Everything around that was really well done, as we uh, discussed earlier. Um, after that, we had um, number six was uh, Zach Gibson. Um, after him was Nathan Cruz, and then the last one in was Dave Mastiff. <laughs> um. The storyline with the with the whole banter edition uh, versus the more serious part of the origin has been going on for a while, but without them really ever suggesting that it was going to explode, it was just 
it was kind of bubbling under. The Dave Mastiff spot in this where he did the, everyone does the thumbs up and then he goes to the thumbs down. Mm -hmm. That was sensationally well done. <laughs> but the timing on it was absolutely perfect. And the reaction yeah, as well from the crowd. Good. Just everything there was just, just perfect. And now we have two more faces. Like we said earlier, a couple of months ago, but they had a face deficiency in progress. And now, well, <laughs> we've got Mastiff and Ligero officially now feuding with um, Gibson and Cruz. And that should be a lot of fun, and, a lot of history. And there. Sexsmith has really stepped up as well. Like you could argue he's a, you know, capable of being in those those bigger spots. Yeah, or... definitely. Um, I, I want to see him in a, a proper feud with a guy like Skrull. I don't know. Skrull's not doing much, and he didn't do much in this match. He got eliminated very early and very, like, just bye, see ya. Like, uh, very unimportant. He was, he was just rolled up by... Um, by Tr it was because he was pandering to the crowd, though. He was, yeah. So I don't know if they're going to use that as an excuse to kind of push him harder as uh, back in to heal them, or whether they've turned the corner on that and he's just going to be a face. I don't know. Yeah, it, I don't know yet. Um, yeah, well, sorry, we were saying about um, uh, a lack of baby faces before. Uh, nature abhors a vacuum. Someone will always fall into those spots. Um, yeah. And it seems in Brit Rest that we have this, this conveyor belt of talent that just keeps churning out <laughs> talent after talent after talent. And I think people are, were underestimating the ability of Mark Andrews. And this was kind of his match. Once. Uh, all the, the banter stuff had finished and, and Mastiff was gone and Sexsmith had had his um, uh, submission win over Nathan Cruz, which I thought was a great moment. Uh, Definitely. Once they'd moved past that, then it was all down to Gibson versus Andrews. And the only downside to this is that I felt it kind of gave away the, the main event somewhat because it felt like if a face won, then Pete was retaining. If a heel won, then... Yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. Uh, you, you, there's nothing you can ever do about that. Uh, wrestling promoters have been struggling with that for Tempest Immemorium, yeah. i.e. forever. <laughs> <Marie. Nice. laughs> the yeah, WWE always have the same issue when they have like a like a number one contenders match and then they have a title match on the same show. Uh, an example probably would be the Royal Rumble, where it's like if the Rumble winner wins. Of course, it's easier now because they've got two different brands, but it's the problem that they've had for years and years and years. So yeah, it's not a, a new problem for progress by any means, but it kind of gave away the main event. But then having said that they had another surprise up their sleeve or surprise is as it were. Uh, we'll talk about that in a minute. I just want to get your thoughts on uh, Pete Dunne and Jimmy Havoc. Uh, well, by this point in the show, I was pretty hyped. Um, like I knew that this was going to be a DQ um at the end so it was a bit like eh, it's annoying but <laughs> uh like the previous two matches had got me pumped up and got me hyped for this match and i at least wanted to see what happened before the dq and i didn't just immediately write it off and i thought this was the best havoc had looked since coming back i've been critical of him i've said that like he hasn't really gotten back to where he was before i still don't think he looked amazing here but he looked like he belonged at least and I, That's more than I could say. I think a couple of months ago, it's it's been a steady um, change in my opinion. But I've, I I'm kind of more sold on Havoc as a face now, and I don't know if that's just because I've I've seen more of him, more of him sort of bantering with people. Uh, when I was at the the Work and Arrest Hold uh, podcast, he was there. He wasn't actually on the podcast. He was just he just turned up. 
Um, yeah. So he was sat at the back of the room, and every now and again he'd heckle someone. And he is very endearing. He has a like a charming personality when he wants Definitely. to. Um, he just doesn't really get that across during his matches because he's he's always been such a uh, like a hardcore wrestler. You know, he does a lot of violent things. It kind of, I think he just needs to soften his character just a little bit to kind of match yeah. his own personality. Well, a bit like how he was at the beginning. Obviously, like he's now main event guy and serious, and not like a comedy guy, like playing a pratfall. But yeah, he shouldn't go that far. Like, no way. But the fact channel that, that a little bit, I well, would they, say, they like, be a bit more human. Uh, King of the Goths, <laughs> which that <laughs> made me laugh. But there is enough there. There's enough in his personality that he can do this. It's just it's it's very difficult for him to step away from what he was so successful with as a heel. And I, I completely understand that. It's like you don't want to let go of the stuff that got you over everywhere. It's, yeah. it's very difficult, but he kind of needs to for if he wants to be a like yeah, a baby. I think he needs a, a reinvention. Time. He needs a reinvention. Um, it's not there. It's a inside. major one. Like look at Chris Jericho, like always reinventing himself, even though it worked before. Like Havoc definitely has that in him to be able to look at his character and say. Um, like it, it, it. I what I'm doing now is working, but it's not um, like delivering what it potentially could as a face. Like he, he exhausted everything he could possibly do as a heel. Like it was tremendous. It was an all-time run as a heel, and like the level of investment that people got into his character and his championship run, wanting to see him get beat. Um, but it just doesn't translate when you're a face a year later. Yeah, he, he has to change himself a little bit, but uh, I, he has definitely done that a little bit, just a tiny, a tiny bit. Because I, I feel like I, I got behind him more in this match than I have done at any point since he's come back. I think the best match he's had since he came back was the the match with Marty Skrull, the, the the one that went all over the building in Manchester. Yeah, no, no, it wasn't Manchester; it was Sheffield. I thought that's the best match he's had since he came back. This was good though. This was a very good match. Uh, but what people will uh, remember, obviously, is uh, after it had been a disqualification finish and the crowd were there chanting bullshit, um, it's amazing how quickly uh, uh, crowds can change. The <laughs> <laughs> the reaction to uh, Flash Morgan Webster coming out was was fun. And I, I just, I'm getting goosebumps. <laughs> just, just talking about this it's the way it changed from like Flash Morgan Webster coming out and it's like Flash is back and I was like yeah, yeah Flash is back and then Haskins comes out and the <laughs> I'm getting chills the the reaction was just like yeah and you could, you could hear the building just as one just celebrate the fact that he was back in there and and then when he cut the promo afterwards saying uh, you asked for help uh, Jimmy will we're, we're going to help you out. And we're both cleared to wrestle. The reaction that I got was incredible. And I think Haskins has been really smart here by doing this as his first comeback thing. Because he could have gone and wrestled for um, Five Star mm. for dominant wrestling the, the week before. If he wanted to, he could have done. And that would have completely fucked this up. Wouldn't have got the same reaction. Wouldn't have been the same at all. But that show didn't need him. This show needed that moment with with Haskins coming out and and he's back definitely a great point that like 
he really delivered for progress here, um, not taking that booking and instead doing this one. Like, yeah, great moment. It came across on VOD as well. Like, this felt seismic, <laughs> almost for reaction. Yeah. Um, and yeah, the Webster and Haskins look badass here and sets up a, a tidy six-man tag um, for down the line. That could get a little bit yeah. crazy. I was um, that could actually be the main event of the next show. Um, I don't think they've named anything uh, big, top end yet. The I, I was so glad I went to this show just just for that moment when when Haskins came out. Um, out oh, that and the the um, Ring Camp and uh, uh, South Pacific Power Trio mm-hmm. match uh, trio trip match. So that was, that was um, a moment I really happy show- to from a show that didn't have particularly a strong lineup, this ended up being a really good show. And the second half was very hype, and I was hyped about progress, which I hadn't been the last couple of months. Yeah, um, I didn't. I so send it did you, its job really well. Did I send you a text saying like, um, I can't remember what it said, but like it was something along the lines of, uh, I think you picked the wrong time to to like stop enjoying these shows because they're bad. <laughs> I can't remember. I mean, I can look through my text right now if you want. <laughs> no, nah, it's probably not, not that important. But uh, yeah, I I just texted you straight. Can't away wait to like, talk oh, about that great. show. My God. <laughs> uh, oh yeah, that's the one. Yeah, yeah, it was just, it was incredible though. Just the the feeling of, of euphoria that I had walking out of the building. It was just it's been a while since I, I've had that from wrestling. Probably Brixton awesome. was the last time. So great it was a great weekend i really <laughs> I really fucking enjoyed myself this weekend um the the only problem was i walked away from it with uh both a hangover and a cold and i felt mm. ill for about a week afterwards but um yeah it was good times um i'm aware that uh we've kind of gone past the hour mark here and we still haven't gotten onto icw so we better get onto that now um the uh, ICW Square Go. This is the first ICW show I've seen since Fear and Loathing. And we talked Same. about Fear and Loathing and we really weren't into it at all. Apart from a couple of matches for Ricochet 1, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it, for for a show in front of 6,000 fans, that it should have been better than that. It was a disappointment, frankly. The This show, for me, polar opposite. I came in with like no expectations at all and it felt like the, the booking delivered all show long uh the quality of the in-ring was was better consistently um i don't know i just like did i come in with my expectations so low that that it's just <laughs> gone over that bar easily or i i liked the first five matches um i thought the square go was not amazing, <laughs> let's put it that way. Um, but we'll get to that in a minute. Okay, we'll, we'll go through them. Um, the opening match, Polo Promotions against the Marauders, uh, that being Mike Bird, Wild Boar. Uh, it, it was a long title reign for, for Polo Promotions. I can't even remember how long it was. It, uh... Oh, well, they had the, the one that was like a year and a half, like a year ago, and this one was about six months, I think. Oh, I, I, I didn't even notice the title change in the middle. <laughs> like, they were very, there were a couple of quick title changes, and they won them back every time. Okay. Um, yes, but they've been the, the top team for a long time. Yeah, uh, yeah. Put to bed here due to uh, Mark Coffey uh, being kayfabe injured. Um, Bird and Boar, really good tag team. I like their work in attack, and I thought they were good again here. I'm not that into 
uh, Polo, to be honest. I think he's okay. Um, but yeah, I thought the match was good. Uh, it was the right result for, for Burden Boar to go over and good opener. Oh yeah, like it started off very generic taggy and then it, it built into something actually pretty good and I ended up really invested in it by the end. Um, so yeah, they turned me from like not really knowing the story and not caring about the guys <laughs> to yeah, I was into it. Um, the second match, I honestly I thought was terrible, but um, <laughs> uh, yeah, it was I'm the... I not particularly <laughs> a fan of this match. No, yeah. um, it's a zero G uh, championship number one contenders match pitting Andy Wild, who's okay, against Lewis Gervin, who's he's a prospect, uh, but I think ICW have kind of seen that he's a prospect and gone, oh, let's push him immediately and. He, yeah. he is suffering for that so bad. I never should have put him over Ricochet at Fear and Loathing. Uh, oh, yeah, that looks really bad now, doesn't it? Like, well, especially it. on this show with Ricochet fighting for the Zero G Championship and Lewis Govan fighting to become number one contender. Yeah, just put that definitely doesn't make any put sense. Ricochet over at Fear and Loathing. <laughs> then you don't have to write anything else. It's already written. It's just Ricochet. Yeah. It's a title shot. Govan has to come back. But no, it just. I don't think he was at that level. Um, he again, he didn't look like he was at that level in this match. Um, I thought the best work in the match was from Andy Wilde selling the arm. Um, yeah, it was it was a bit clumsy. There were there were some timing issues. Uh, it was awkward looking bumps. Yeah, it was not a good match. But, yeah, um, I think Gervin could be really good one day, but not right now. Yeah. The trouble is, like when you, you have somebody that's that's good and young, there is a temptation to just push them straight away. Um, I think he would have benefited from undercard matches where he comes up short. And you, I you also know, don't really know what his character is. Like, I, he's sort of a heel, but not really. Um, well, he's There's nothing the, really to invest in there. They keep calling him the best young wrestler. That's that's it. Yeah, I, I definitely thought uh, think he should come up short when he has his uh, zero G title shot. Uh, that needs mm. to be built up more, and he needs to have more opportunities to learn from people the way that like Pete Dunn has before rising up to the top of people's cards. The way that Travis Banks is is getting, and those guys are way way better than than Lewis Gervin, but he's getting that kind of push, which is crazy. <laughs> Um, okay, that, that was pretty much my biggest moan on the show, though. So with, with that out of the way, we can go on to something better, which was um, the women's title, uh, Kaylee Ray against uh, Casey Owens. I saw Casey Owens wrestle about a year ago, and I thought she was okay. She was very, very basic. She's improved an awful lot over the last year. Yeah, she looked like she belonged in there with Kaylee Ray, definitely. Um, and yeah, she had good facial expressions as well, and... The ending, especially, I thought, really was really effective. Her selling was really good, and it looked like she'd just been killed dead by Kaylee. Yeah, well, it, I like the fact that it took her um, like three finishes and a cent on in between to, to put yeah. Casey away. It really kind of <laughs> well, that, that was like definitive. After Casey kicked out of the gory bomb, yeah. um, it was like, well, if she kicked out of one, she's definitely not going to kick out of three. So I'm just going <laughs> to fucking hit her with everything I've got. Yeah. 
Uh, Kaylee Ray's always been really good. I think we we keep telling, yeah. uh, saying that she's probably the best women's wrestler in in the UK, and I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. The uh, Casey Evans, though, really good showing from her. Um, I think this this proved that there is a bit of depth to the women's division that we we keep. Mm-hmm. I, I can't remember. Is it Rob said that, that he didn't felt there was a lot of depth? I think that was probably true a year ago. I think it's it's improving. Yeah, I, I, well, that's just part of um, the no pun intended natural progression of the women's division. Yeah, is, yeah, there's there's going to be well, they're getting that, they're getting the exposure, through. they're getting the the matches in front of good crowds, yeah. they're getting to work with better talents, and it it's been a steady improvement um, rather than a, like a radical overnight one. But uh, it's nice to see uh, names that we can add in there and say that oh, well, well, she's improved and she's improved. Ginny's gotten better. I think Lana Austin's gotten better. Casey Owens, the, the divisions are improving. Mm-hmm. It's good to see. Uh, so yeah, that was, that was a good match. I enjoyed that. Um, then we had the zero G title, uh, Kenny Williams against Ricochet. Uh, this was a really good match as well. Uh, yeah, uh, Kenny Williams pretty much kept up with Ricochet, which is difficult to do. Yeah, I mean, um, compare that to Kervin and... at the uh, Hydro. Um, I thought there was a world of difference. Like Kenny Williams is yeah. ready for this match. Definitely, and, and that's because Kenny is like a proper showman and like one of like the most he one of the most TV ready guys in the UK. Like he could probably walk onto the WWE Cruiserweight thing and um, look like he belongs along with those guys. And um, yeah, obviously Ricochet is like a indie superstar and is fantastic and I will always have time for him and any match he's in. Um even if it is a Mr. and Mrs. tournament match. Oh god, <laughs> let's not talk about that. Yeah, maybe not that. But yeah, this was really strong and probably the best match on the show, I would say. I mean, certainly not as like emotionally invested as Seven and Wolfgang, but yeah, just I'd... in terms of like Pure work, work rate. I would give the nod to uh, Wolfgang and Trent Seven for the. Um, th- I thought their match was was epic, and like you said, there was an emotional investment in it. Um, yeah. With, uh, with Ricochet and Kenny Williams, technically very strong. Uh, Ricochet kind of leaning towards heel to make sure that Kenny didn't get booed, which I thought was a really nice touch. He really knows what he's doing. I I, I like the finish as well. Sort of the the bumbling into the pin thing which protected ricochet somewhat and it sort of plays into kenny's character like he's not supposed to be like um super technician but he has a lot of fight in him and like um a bit of pluck he's plucky Mm. and you definitely got that across at the end there yeah so uh we'll kind of go into a bit more depth on on wolfgang and and trent seven um yeah yeah the the, the way they, they built this match up was to basically have Trent Seven look like an idiot, um, <laughs> which I thought was unfortunate, but it got to this match and Wolfgang's not taking him seriously at all. He's beating the shit out of him at the start of the match, breaking the wall outside the, the ring. That was a great visual. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it wasn't until Trent Seven's comeback that this match really took off. But the the way that he came back, the uh, it's because he got the, the shit kicked out of him for like I don't know what fifteen minutes, and the two losses, the Wolfgang oh, before, and the losses before getting beaten in the uh, WWE UK tournament, and they kept they kept minutes. hammering home like six minutes. Yeah, they kept like they really made Trent Seven an underdog here. His facial expression sold it perfectly as well. Like he wasn't doing the whole eye poppy. Oh no, I can't believe I didn't pin him there. 
he was doing the like he was exasperated he was like tense he was like exhausted and just he was almost beating himself up when he couldn't get the pin like can i even do this he was doubting himself and yeah it was a really good comeback story for him top storytelling uh from both of them i uh for me i think this is wolfgang's best performance as a wrestler (laughs) we've been putting wolfgang over all year (laughs) Uh, 2017 has been the year of wolfgang so far and yeah, he was really good here as like that guy who Seven just couldn't get past the proper roadblock for Seven. And yeah, I thought I thought Seven was the star here, but Wolfgang definitely played this part really well. Well, you could tell it's a good storyline because when they cut to the crowd, you could see the reaction from the crowd. You got women yeah. crying at ringside. That's <laughs> that's what it meant. So I to tell that's that what you want you want the crying. Oh yeah, that's just a sign of a, a storyline perfectly executed. Is a good, yeah. good bit of weeping. Um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed this. Um, this this was where the show peaked for me. Um, I was really down on, on Fear and Loathing, and that was mainly because the title match did not deliver. And if they'd had this match at Fear and Loathing, that could have turned the whole show around. Yeah, could have saved the show. Yeah, really. <laughs> but they had to have a cage, didn't they? Oh, the cage. And they had to have silly booking at the end. This was, there was no, Well, there was one silly booking bit here. The brass knuckles. What do you think of Trent Seven using a heel object to win the title? I, I think it, well, I think it's okay if the heel brings the the, the weapon in. I think that makes I, it okay. I thought Seven brought it in. No, no, it was uh, Wolfgang brought it in, um, went to use it, didn't get it, and then Seven basically stole them off and punched him and went on to win. Big pile driver off the top. I, I get why they were using it, because obviously he used the brass knuckles ineffectively at Fear and Loathing to knock Wolfgang out of the cage. Um, but it, yeah, it just didn't sit right, a babyface using that to get his big win. It should have been just... He should have held them up, and uh, now I'm telling ICW now how to book. I'm being awful, awful human being. Uh, I know, but <laughs> like I, I would have preferred him to throw away the knuckles and win uh, but, fairly rather than... But... That's exactly what Joe Coffey did in the main event. So now they've got a storyline where Trent Seven might have won the title, but he didn't exactly win it cleanly. But Joe Coffey yeah. beat Wolfgang without ah. the aid of the brass knucks. It, there's a story okay. there. And I think they <laughs> Okay. If, if, as long as they use it, I'm okay with it. I, I don't want it to be a throwaway detail that he used them. Like, that... that that probably will lead to something, definitely, and that is a good story beat. I'm just worried that they're going to be like, nah, you want it clean, whatever. If, yeah, if they forget about it, that would be unfortunate. But um, <laughs> um, okay, well, uh, square go match. Um, shall we take it in like chunk? We'll take it in third chunks. Well, the first two third chunks, uh, we can slap the label of jobber onto. Them. <laughs> <laughs> but there was some decent stuff in there. Uh, but I get what you mean. It was. It was basically a chance for some less utilized talents to get uh, eyes on them. Mm. I thought the New Nation had a good bit of control. Yeah, that was kind of in the middle. Joe Hendry's bit was always fun. And... I like the Purge. Um, Stevie James, I thought, uh, looked really good in there. Um, which is, this is the chance that uh, some people get. It's like, w- when you have this kind of opportunity, you need to do something to stand out. Yeah, I, I yeah. thought they did really well. 
Um, I mean, you put something in the notes for this show about Flex Hunter being like a, a diesel knockoff. <laughs> he's Flex, the embarrassingly bad fake diesel. He's <laughs> He was dressed like diesel, but he was doing spin kicks and stuff, and he's six foot seven, so I was actually kind of impressed with his work. I just, I couldn't take him seriously. He looked like a guy at like a WWE tribute show yeah, playing diesel. He, he definitely needs to work on the look, but the actual in-ring stuff that he did, I was actually quite impressed with. Um, who else was impressive? Uh, I guess um, there was a little bit with the BT gun coming back from his knee injury. Uh, oh, that, that's that's not that's not in the first two. That's I think BT gun and Chris Renfrew when they squared off. That was the start of like yeah, the proper. But if we're going by match. numbers, then yeah, <laughs> they, they were eighteen, well, yeah, and I mean... nineteen, so they were coming in <laughs> the end of the second third. Then <laughs> yeah. Um, then you kind of got the meat of the match was the last last ten entrants. A um, lot of big names in there: Martin Kirby, Jimmy Havoc, uh, Joe Coffey, Drew Galloway, Grado, all coming in in the last ten. It was very uh, top heavy in terms of the big names. Uh, I really enjoyed seeing uh, James Scott in there. I don't know how much you know about uh, James Scott. Nothing. <laughs> um, he used to go by Dark Side. He had the same thing that. Brock Lesnar had divergent. Uh, I can't pronounce it. Okay. You know what I mean, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he had that. He kind of dropped out of uh, off the scene a little yeah. bit. Yeah. That the stuff that he did in this match was uh, uh, like an assortment of uh, like strong style violence when he was in there, and it got a little bit overwhelmed by Jimmy Havoc coming in and hitting acid rainmakers on everyone right afterwards. But I thought he did look really good. Um. Any other thoughts on uh, this collection of talent that they had? Uh, it was good seeing the, the New Age Click and their whole bit together. That was pretty fun. Um, I thought a lot of these guys didn't get a lot of time in the ring. Like, for the for first two thirds, a lot of, like, the, the useless people. Well, not, I don't want to bury them, but, like, the people, the unimportant people in the match got a lot of time compared to these important guys who are, like, main eventers in ICW and they, they were only around for like three or four minutes like Drew Galloway walks in and then like Jack Chester walks in and they're both eliminated immediately so it's like hmm probably could have brought them in earlier and spread out the star power a bit and made them seem more impressive by lasting longer I don't feel like anyone in this match lasted in the ring more than like 10-15 minutes I think probably Lionheart was probably in there the longest because he, he came in at the start and yeah. had to wait for the the spot with Joe Hendry where he gets eliminated so that where did Joe Hendry come in he came in at 12 so yeah he'd have been in there for like 20 20 minutes or so okay but still that's not like you look at WWE's Royal Rumbles and they get 40-50 minute guys pretty much every time like it just seems more impressive when guys can last longer but uh, yeah quote me on that more impressive when guys last longer <laughs> <laughs> oh dear uh, let's let's move Rare on to round the... table <laughs> <laughs> uh so um let's let's just move on to the 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 booking with the with the final four as it were well it's final three because yeah. jack jester went straight out but um i thought grado looked better here than he has done in a while um the, the reaction of the fans was a lot better uh, they had uh, Madonna playing when he came out and they muted it but then had to stop right away because he ran to the ring and the crowd <laughs> finished off the the start of it I, I yeah, really appreciated that, that. 
Um, I thought you had, uh, well, it came down to Joe Coffey and, and Wolfgang. And I get the, the, probably part of the reason why they had so many people come in late uh, for the big names is they wanted to kind of tease that it could have been like any of them that won. Yeah. Um, I mean, they, like, it did feel like any of them could have won. Yeah. Like, they did get that over. Um, it, I just would have preferred star power laid throughout the show or the match rather than just. Brian yeah. Hart and Joe Hendry for a bit, and then not. Well, Joe Hendry came in at twelve. <laughs> so yeah. yeah. <laughs> so between him and BT Gun, like there was one guy in the first nineteen who mattered, basically. Um. Yeah. So so we got down to the uh, got down to the the the, the brass tacks, as it were, and uh, yeah. Joe, Joe Coffey got got the big win over over Wolfgang. Um. Do you think he's the right person to win? He's probably the most over person they've got, uh, either him or Grado. Yeah, it's, it's the obvious choice, I guess. Um, he's, he's had those and past Trent Seven versus Trent. Joe Kofi. Trent Seven versus Joe Kofi is pretty impressive match, and you can certainly put that up on a big show, and people would come. Um, yeah, I, I have no no problems with Joe Kofi winning. They'd be building him up a lot. Um, better than going straight back to Wolfgang. Better than. Well, Drew Galloway and Jack Jester have their thing. The New Age Click have their yeah, well, feud going on. The thing with, with the uh, Square Go uh, title shot is it's like the Money in the Bank briefcase. He doesn't have to cash it in straight away. So it might yeah. be six months down the line. It might be at Fear and Loathing. You just you don't know. The What what I would personally like to see is uh, Trent's first defense be against um, Mikey Whiplash. I know he's kind of on the outs at the moment with um, uh, with ICW. I don't really know what the situation is, but that's always a good match. Um, so I, I think that would be an impressive way to go. To and it would make Mikey a big deal bringing him back as a in the main event. And yes, I don't know if Mikey is going to come back to ICW or not. I don't, I don't know. know. Really but going on there? That would make sense because they had the. That's basically how Trent was introduced there. Um, yeah, it, it would make sense from a booking perspective. But yeah, I'm not really mm -hmm. sure what the situation is with them. So, I, I think this show, they did do a good job of making me want to come back for more. Like with the Trent Seven title win, it felt significant. Trent versus Joe Coffey is a good match to look forward to. And you know there were bits and pieces sprinkled throughout the show that made me want to see what's going to happen next with the stories, with the titles. Um I'm still not fully invested in ICW. Um, like I'm not gonna become a an ultra ultra fan of ICW, but it did a much better job than Fear and Loathing of oh, making yeah. me actually want to see a feature ICW show. This would be a really good jumping on point for someone who who wanted to get into the promotion and perhaps had been put off by Fear and Loathing. Almost it was like this was a yeah. much better show. This was a much focus, more focused show as yeah. well. Fear and Loathing was all over the place with like what was important and what yeah. they wanted to highlight and get over. I think they, this was like... they got torn between needing to put over the the local talents and wanting to to draw a big number by putting people like Kurt Angle on the show. Yeah, and yeah, you're right. And there also like, wasn't any, you know, red lightning marked Alice Salinas. Now that that's over, oh, you can get on with some more in-ring stories. <laughs> yeah, that's, this was a good show. I I really enjoyed it, and it's been a while since I could say that about about ICW. So you never know; things might be looking up. It's good. 
Always good to have more good wrestling around. I just don't have time for it. All. It's just <laughs> ridiculous. I know, I know. Um, so, so next time we have to talk about um, like two OTT shows and what Fight Club Pro and what else is coming up? Um, <laughs> all the shows. <laughs> so, well, there's there's another progress show in like two weeks. Yeah. Uh, oh, 16 carat. I've got the dates for it right here. March 10th, 11th, and 12th. So you were right. right. It's exactly a month away from... We're recording this yeah. on 12th, 12th, 12th of February, so exactly a month away. And Kojo um, Bushi's in, in the UK. <laughs> the same of course, time. Of course. <laughs> Shall we talk about um, the Chris Java stuff? Yes, I think we need to. Um, yeah, we, we need go. to cover it. Um, so PCW are running a, uh, a tournament. Uh, which is the Chris Travis uh, Memorial uh, Trophy. I can't remember what it's called. But uh, they're running this show, and people started asking questions about it because Martin Kirby was not booked. And you'd think the first person to be booked on a, a Chris Travis uh, Memorial show would be his best friend. Yeah. And then word came out that Kirby had been asked to do the show and he turned it down because no money was going to charity, as in zero money was going to charity. And PCW's reasoning for defending this was that they felt they'd done enough already. But you can't use his name when he's died of cancer last year and then not give any money, not even a percentage, not even like 1%, mm. just nothing, zero no, money. All profits, profits or whatever. It's just like, yeah, this is this is not only not how charity works, it's also sad, but this is like the first time we're talking about Chris Travis since his death and it's in this context. Like, it's... Well, we talked about it... It's, for, it's kind of a, it's uh, a mess. Because uh, Progress put his, uh, his entrance music on as part of their oh, yeah, warm-up. Yeah. I thought that was a really nice touch to just say, we, we remember you. And yeah, you got us a... The, I've seen uh, wrestlers pay tribute to him. Will Ospreay did something in Japan where he put uh, put his name on his wrist tape. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. That was um, Invasion Attack, I think, yeah. when he was wearing the, the pink tights and stuff. I mean, there, there have been some genuinely... Uh, uh, loving tributes that have come from the boys and I'm, I'm sure his family appreciates that but I, I wouldn't have thought they'd appreciate the company running a show with his name on it purely for profit and that's what this is um, I'm not sure what has changed since because that's the last I heard of it um, apart from uh, several of the boys have said they're basically donating their fee Yeah, but they shouldn't have to do that if it's um, a show where it's been done with with uh, where you're using a, a dead guy's name and you're not going to give anything to his charity of choice, then there's something wrong there to begin with. Shouldn't have happened. It's caused all manner of arguments, uh, and it just shouldn't have happened to begin with. Just either don't use his name, or use his name. Contact his family to see if that's what they want. And ensure that a certain percentage of the gate goes to charity. It could only be 5%. And as long as some money was going to charity, it would have been yeah. fine. But because uh, Stephen Flood has been a prick about it. Flood being Flooder. It's just caused uh, ruptions all over the place. And now the boys are the ones who are doing something to set it right. And that's just 
being a cunt as a promoter, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> it does. It definitely sucks, and it's it's a dick move. Um, and yeah, there's not really you can't really justify it by saying that you've raised lots of money for Chris Travis and his um, I think it's the Cavendish Cancer Foundation. Yeah, that's is the that one. The name? That's the one. Yeah, um, they raised a lot of money for that before, and that's great. But you can't justify prior charity to justify not doing something charitable when you're using the guy's name and making money off of it again like <laughs> it does it doesn't um give you the right to use chris travis and make money with him forever and ever because you've already donated some money to his charity yeah it it, it sucks all around but at least um, money is going to charity from the event, just not in the right way. It I is guess. now. I know uh, Pete Dunn is donating his fee. Ryan Smile is. Um, I'm trying to look for the. So I, I want to make a point of linking to it. Um, is it uh, Cavendish Centre? That does sound right to me. Cavendish Cancer okay. Care. Um, you can go onto uh, JustGiving.com, search for uh, Cavendish, and it's Cavendish Cancer Care. And you can donate to them uh, should you uh, feel the need. Um, if you look on there at the moment, on the right-hand side, there is a donation from Ryan Smile. Um, so that would be the right thing to do, Stephen. On that note, I think we're done. Is there anything you'd like to plug? Um, well, uh, British Audio Wrestling on Live Audio Wrestling. It's my other mm. podcast, two-timing podcasting. Um, you know what? I'm, I'm going gonna, gonna gonna to go and do another podcast as well. <laughs> <laughs> More podcasts for everyone. It's enjoyable. Um, and also, I'll be writing a Rev Pro cockpit show, for vo cockpit show review for Voices of Wrestling. We didn't even cover cockpit. <laughs> we didn't even cover cockpit. There's been tons and tons of wrestling, but at least I'll cover it in written form very soon um yeah on voices of wrestling you can actually uh check out the review i did for the progress show that we just talked about i also reviewed uh icw square go they're both on voices of wrestling which is a bit weird um if you would like to do me a favor uh you can go on to rearviewreviews.com which is my website and it has a little amazon link so if you don't use the Voices of Wrestling one because you live in England and it doesn't work, then feel free to go to my website, click the little Amazon link that's there, buy things to your heart's content, and I'll get 2.5% of that back, which helps me to, you know, run a website without it costing money. <laughs> Devastated that the Voices of Wrestling Bloom That link doesn't work in the UK. No, Devastated. no. Um, <laughs> if you live in America, you can also... Uh, go to voiceswrestling.com slash Amazon and buy stuff from there should you feel the need. And I'm genuinely doing another podcast. <laughs> I don't know what it's called yet, but uh, yeah, there's another one at some point. And on that note, I think we're done. I think so too. Oh, good evening. Good night.
here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery.